Well, welcome back everyone to another episode of Live Today Health Talk. So this week we are going to be talking about what's going on, well a little bit, not a whole lot now, but a little bit on what's going on with our economy and where do we go next. But before I go any further, as always, I need to open up in uh, prayer and then find a, a scripture to share. And then I'll thank my sponsors, as always. So, Heavenly Father, as always, we look towards you. Father, I ask that you give us the courage and the wisdom con to continue to press toward you. May we wait, as our lesson said today at church. May we learn to wait also. Because as we learn, what may seem like a thousand years to us is only one day to you. So we need to give you time. And we just need to wait and listen for your response before we're ready to take whatever the matter is back and try to do it ourselves. We cannot act in your stead. And I think we've learned that by now, but I know every day brings a new challenge. So Father, I just ask that you teach us and that you give us the wisdom to know when to wait and to know what your voice sounds like as we wait, whether you send the answer by someone or whether we're supposed to wait for that still, quiet voice or that touch from you, Father. So I ask that you teach us to know your word and to know your voice as children know their parents' voices and parents know their children's voices. Allow us to know your voice as we wait. So in Jesus' name I pray and I thank you. Amen. All right, so our scripture today is going to be coming from, well, let me go to my verse of the day, Romans 1, verse 16. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. Hmm. Now that scripture says a lot because at one time there was only thought to be one chosen generation or population, should I say. But it says salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also the Greek. So that means that it doesn't matter your race your creed, your origin, if you believe, then, wow, and I didn't pick this scripture out before hand, um, well, I know I read it this morning, but not to go in, not to coincide with my prayer, but that resonates. If you believe, then you too can hear his voice, then he will also hear and recognize you, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your religion, your race, or your origin. 
Okay, so let me get off that because I can, oh my goodness, that, that's deep and I, I like that, I like that. So for my sponsors, I'd like to thank VYP, the Veteran Yoga Project, for allowing me the platform to host the Gentle Flow Yoga classes on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock on Facebook Live. So with that being said, I then, I can now share that to my page the stream itself, the, the link itself. So if you guys wish to join me on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock, that means you don't have to do like Zoom and be present. I'll never know you're there if you don't say anything because you know Facebook just shows up with the numbers live. But I will ask if you are a veteran and you join and, or, um, and even a family member, if you're a family member of, the, of a veteran, then put that in the chat because Veteran Yoga Project is a nonprofit and so is the Revelation Wellness. So they, excuse me, they get their funds based off of how many people we serve. So if you all just even stop by, I shouldn't say that, right? But if you, yeah, if you don't stay for the whole class and you drop in, please drop in a note to say what your uh, veteran affiliation is. So meaning what branch or even if you are a family member of, a veteran say what your veteran affiliation is and if you are the veteran then please put in your branch and the amount of years you served and your last duty station because as an ambassador for both the veteran yoga project and the revelation wellness project excuse me revelation wellness who also are coming more virtual and we're uh, able to do a platform when I host the Zoom classes um, for Revelation Wellness. They're growing on Instagram as well. But both, again, both nonprofits are able to have uh, received more donations or more grants based off the veterans that we serve. So as a veteran and, and an ambassador, I chose to give back to veterans. So please let them know that you are utilizing the services that we are providing for free during the COVID-19. I'm not sure how they're going to go back after COVID-19 to be able to charge for anything but and, and to raise funds on their own. So prayerfully more, more grants will come through because it's going to be hard, I know. But at any rate, I know that the Lord will make a way for their both their platforms to continue to strive okay and um, let me see I cannot forget women's veteran United committee so we are doing a food bank drive and we're also doing virtual retreats every Wednesday and Thursday evening so I know you've been seeing that on my Facebook page as well and with that it's not just even though it's women veterans on the move it's for everyone because right now everyone is dealing with, and let me share some of our topics, just about every household has a veteran in it now. So we've been sharing topics with how the veteran can transition back into the community. We've been sharing topics like what type of resources are out there for the veteran. Um, we've been having guest speakers come on to talk about things that they've uh, experienced or some of the sub subject, excuse me, look, subject matter experts that are sharing for things like PTSD, uh, MST, uh, TBI. And if you don't know what those are, then put it in the chat <laughs> and I'll be glad to share with you. 
but those subject matter experts have been coming on board and just sharing the resources, not always in VA, and uh, sometimes out in, in your area, in your community, that you may not know they exist. Uh, I know we had an attorney to come on with us one time, and she dealt with veteran benefits. So I asked the VSOs to join us because she shared some new laws or some changes within the laws that we're not always privy to. It's just like with your taxes, right? Your tax preparers are the subject matter experts, especially when you need to itemize, right? And, and, and have certain deductions. So I dare not try to do it myself anymore because they are the ones that constantly go to school, constantly get the training every year, not me. For me to sit and try to read all that stuff every year, I'd never get anything accomplished, okay? So I give it to them now because they are deemed the subject matter experts. So this Wednesday and Thursday, I say all that to say, yes, this Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to have guest speakers coming on to speak about legislation. Now, yes, we've asked them to share mainly with women veteran issues or needs for bills that we're trying to get passed. So what we want to learn, and we need your help, we want to learn how to pass a bill. And we know that it's more than just writing it, okay? Because we've had bills come this close to being passed. But guess what we were missing? We're missing the fundraising part. Okay, so we're also going to have later on people come on to speak with us about grants. So we're doing a financial, we did a financial piece last week. We're going to come back to finances in June because we need to know not just finances for our household, how the stimulus are going to impact us, how our this tax, is it going to raise our taxes? Is anything going to come of the tax um extension and all these other monies that we're getting now from the government so we need your help okay we need your help as we move forward with all these things okay um what else what else is it not just with the taxes oh boy what else was it what else was it um anyway i've lost my train of thought so let me move now into my topic for tonight and that is what's next for our economy okay so what is next with our economy that's a good question how many of us even understand what's going on now with our economy i've heard of so many different stimulus or so, so many different things out there that are supposed to save us. What, what was one? The PPP and, the, and then the stimulus and then the CARES Act and, and different grants. How do you know what to apply for? How do you know what can help you? How do you know won't hurt you come next year? And I'm not going to say I'm going to give you the answer to all that tonight. I will invite you, though, to join us on Wednesday and Thursdays uh, when we have those uh, subject matter experts come back on the, on the uh, virtual retreat. But I will talk about this. So, yes, I have my notes. And, of course, I have a, uh, a film also that I'm going to keep trying. This, this technology is not going to win. 
Okay, so I know last week I tried to bring up uh, some technology and it just bloop, froze my, my screen. We're going to try it again, and it may just be the combination with, you know, the Zoom, the Zoom and the Facebook Live combination. Maybe the two don't like each other. I don't know. It works, fa it works fairly well with, with my um, yoga class, so therefore I'm determined that we're going to partner just fine with the talk show as well. Okay, but let's talk about the economy. So I need to look at my notes, and I want to talk about the GDP first. So let me find my notes here, okay? Notes everywhere, I apologize. So let me back up. Everybody understands that prior to COVID, we were in a hostile stock market, right? So everybody knows that even as COVID started, the stock market started going up and down like crazy. And those that were in felt like they were on a roller coaster, right? So why did that happen? Before I even get into the stock market, let's, let's back up and talk about what happened. Well, we know before COVID, there were a lot of things going on with our financial stability. The dollar, it was becoming more prevalent that the dollar was losing its value. So for those of you that do not recall or are or totally unaware of the dollar no longer being backed by gold. The dollar is now, as a lot of people will say, being a little facetious, only worth the paper that it's written on. So back in 1970, uh, President Nixon, and I'm not going to go into why because I've got a lot of information to share, as always, and want to try to get through it. President Nixon shift from our paper being equivalent to gold. So money's value used to be equivalent to the gold that was with it. So it had the gold backing. Well, in 1970, he took the gold backing from the dollar. And now the paper money or the dollar is now called uh, something called fiat, okay? And I think, didn't it used to be a car called fiat or something? You guys post something in the chat uh, if you're listening or if you listen later on to let me know because I think the fiat <laughs> used to be a car, okay? But at any rate, or I'm sorry, it shouldn't used to be a car because I think that car still exists. But if you have a chance to look it up, then please share. But that's that. So now let's go to the GDP. So the gross domestic product is the total value of, a, of all goods and services that our country produces. So not sure if you all remember, did this start, I think maybe February, March timeframe of 2019, when President Trump initiated the 232 which means, now, I, I'm, I'm, I pride him for this, he stood up to our allies or uh, those that we were in debt to. He stood up to China, he stood up to Japan, and some of the other countries that we uh, trade with, importing and exporting. And within introducing that 232 bill, he said that for any 
import that came in, it was going to be taxed. Because how many of you notice that most of our products that come into this country or that we use on a daily basis have a tag on them that says made in, and it doesn't necessarily say USA, right? How many of you remember that part of our recession back in 2008 was with a lot of the plants closing? So what, and now I'm not a politician and I don't know at all, but what he was proposing to do was by things being taxed as they were importing, being imported, it was supposed to allow the U.S. economy to rise again, meaning we would have more consumers buying from within, buying from things that were made in the U.S. so that our plants, those people that work in the plants and, and manufacturers, manufacturers of goods that we consume each and every day would have a chance to make more profit because we would start buying U.S. made. Why? Not so much because of the price, but because the imports would slow down once they begin to be taxed. Because you have to think about it. If I can send you something for free, and then a year later find out, <laughs> I hate to do this, but I'm gonna use PayPal as an example. If I can put you as a, use you, say you're a friend and send you something for free cash, for free in PayPal, but then as a business, it's going to charge me or either I have to charge you to send that same amount of cash. Which way do you think you prefer? You probably prefer for it to charge me, but I think I prefer to use the free attribute, right? So the same thing with our trading. So his, his plan, or I don't want to say his thought process because I don't know his thought process, okay? But the plan was to increase the U.S. spending on U.S. goods. So that meant for things like when I was talking about the car earlier, so that meant for our plants that made or manufactured car parts, for our plants that manufactured parts that we need or we use in our everyday life. I'm not talking about clothes, clothing, textile, or anything like that. I'm talking about things that are manufactured and that we use every day, uh, big items, okay? So if the U.S. economy started buying more of U.S., then, of course, that means more people could be employed, right? Because then the owners of the manufacturing plants, the, what is it, the need would go up and they would need more hands and then they would need to, the demand would go up, excuse me, they would need more hands, more laborers, and that meant they could hire more people. Hiring more people, now you have more people employed, then that meant our unemployment would go down, and then our economy would start rising up. Why? So let me continue. Okay, so the GDP, um, in computing the GDP, only the value of the final goods and services are included. So this means that only the value of the product would be included. And I got way ahead of myself. I'm going to go back to my literature here and start 
talking out the side of my neck. Stop talking out the side of my neck. Go back to my literature. And that meant that the final product is included in not all the individual supplies that went into marketing the product. So I used a car. My study material here is using a house. So let's see. A house, for example, would only have its own value included in the gross domestic product, right? And not the lumber. Remember, I was talking about the manufacturing. Not the lumber, not the brick, not the wires, not the glass, not the cement, not the shingles. All those things that go into building that house. So I don't know if you're getting the drift here, but all of those things that go into building that house or all of those parts that, as I use, go into building that car, if we were buying them from outside resources, then that means not only were we, we weren't making the money, nor were we profiting from the money because we're buying them from outside resources and then bringing it in to build and then, <laughs> excuse me, having to charge more in order to uh, be equivalent to cut our losses, you know, to have a return, an R a return on our investment. So that's when our economy was going until the 232 process. Now let me move forward because I'm trying to bring us to today because the 232, I don't remember if that if that came out, that bill came out in the latter part of 2018 or 2019. Okay, please forgive me there. But the law of demand. So the, again, when I talked about if you could give me something for free opposed to having to pay to get to send me something. Okay, so now the law of demand. When the price of an item goes down, like we said, most, most, most for sure, you're going to use more of it, right? If the price goes down so that goes for not just uh goods uh products as i just mentioned but let's also think about the stock market okay so if the price of a good goes down the demand goes up because it's and i don't want to say cheaper but it's less expensive okay so that means now you can do what you can buy more for your buck because remember the buck doesn't go far i started with that first the buck is no longer backed by gold. The fiat now does not have that much value. So if whatever the fiat, the dollar is equivalent to, now you have to figure out, just like on the exchange market, feel like how, figure out how much you can buy. But anyway, so now the price goes down, the demand goes up. And when the price drops, people who couldn't normally afford it like us, the U.S. citizens, because again, we it's been exported and imported in, excuse me, from a foreign country. So whomever the seller is has to charge a little extra or tax it so that they can have their return on the dollar, right, or their return of investment. So then the people could afford it and can now buy it, and people who weren't willing to buy it before will now buy it at the lower price. All right. So that's with goods. Haven't even started talking about the stock market yet, okay? But just remember where the dollar is, okay? Let me keep going. So then we have the law of supply. The law of supply plays in this too because it states when the selling price of an item rises, then you already know the answer, right? When the price goes back up, 
less people can buy it or less people are willing to buy it. And since the higher the price means more of a profit for the producer, then what does the producer have to do to get you to still buy that same product when the price goes up? So then the producer, um, so more people are willing to produce the item when they can make more money off of it. But now they have to figure out an equilibrium here. That, uh, how can, if now I have more people that are willing to produce it or as more people willing to import it as our allies were doing. So they're going to import it or have it imported here because they know they can make more money off of us because our plants are now closed down. So our supply is low and they know we have a need. So they're going to raise the price because they know we need it. See that catch there? So now you have more people producing it overseas because they know that we need it and we're going to figure out a way to purchase it. All right. So that's with the law of supply and a little bit of the law of demand. And we talked about the GDP. We talked about the backing of the dollar. Um, losing its value, no longer being backed by the goal. And now we've talked about the equilibrium of equilibrium of the price. Because of course you're gonna buy more when it doesn't cost you as much. But you have to remember most of the products that we buy now are backed by the government. And we're talking about big trade like that. So again that's what the president was trying to do. Cut out all the offshore spending and allow more money to be spent on U.S. products in the U.S. with the hopes that the economy would rebound, with hopes that not only would the, would the money stay within the U.S. so we wouldn't have to keep printing all these dollars that really don't mean anything because they're not really worth anything, but it would create more jobs and more jobs would create more spending and more spending would make happy workers as well as a happy economy. All right, so now let's talk about where do I want to go here now. This, I don't know if I want to go to the stock market. Let's talk about whatever happened to bartering. You know, I get so upset sometimes when I hear about all these crazy prices. And, I, and sometimes I want to go uh, say something to the person that created money, for real, for real, to say, why couldn't we stick with bartering? Because bartering was nothing but trading. And if we are stuck with bartering, then we would just trade. Like I said, I would give you something for what you were giving me, something that we may have found worthy. But somebody had to create that dollar. Now I'm just venting, right? But anyway, that's, that's where that is. So let me, let me go to, I don't want to get to the stock market yet because I want to talk about good money and bad money. All right. So good money. Hmm, let's see. We use money for many things today. And you're going to see, as always, how I'm tying this into where we are today. Today, I, um, let me back up. I remember when I first enlisted, and there were people in my class that did not understand how to balance a checkbook, just like my children. So <laughs> people would think, that as long as you have checks in that checkbook, just like dollars, I mean, that aren't really worth a whole lot, right? That you can write, 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 and you can buy, 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 right? And everything is fine. 
Well, now, when was the last time you spent cash since this shutdown? If you spent cash since this shutdown, comment in the comment box, please. Because if you have noticed, we have been doing more buying today with checks, maybe, credit cards, debit cards, uh, what, online buying, shopping for our food, excuse me, for our food and different things that we need in, in our house. But when was the last time you went to the ATM machine to one, deposit a check or two, withdraw money? And money needs to be portable. If money is portable, then with COVID, just like we've been talking about with our mail, or just like if I hand you something, you have gloves on normally, right? So therefore, people aren't really using currency. We're using our cards because the thought that that money has been in my house or that money has been in my pocket I mean, I don't want to say COVID like germs, but yeah, then if I pull it out of my pocket, you're expecting when I hand it to you, whatever germs I had in my clothes or in my hand, that's now being transferred to you, right? So that means we have not been using the dollar bills. We've been making all our transactions. But let's talk about, let's go back to everything I just talked about with the economy. So before COVID, the dollar, it was coming out that the, they were going to change the world economy because the dollar no longer was backed by gold. As we move forward into COVID, the stock market went topsy-turvy. Now as we go forward, what did I say about the spender and the buyer? So while we're locked, we're locked in, excuse me, while we're shut in, what did the government do? They immediately sent us stimulus checks. But how did they send it to you? Did they give you cash? No. They sent it electronically into, most of you anyway, into your bank accounts, right? Did you see that cash? I know you saw a number, excuse me, when you checked your bank account, but did you actually see the cash? Or did you just see a note being transferred from the government to your account, and now you have spending power to help the economy, right? Because while you're not working, the government has given you money to spend. And when you spend it, what are you doing? You're putting it right back into the economy. So they gave it to you only for you to give it right back. And then most of the items you bought, if you spend it on retail, you, you were taxed for it. So remember when I said about the supply and demand? So if you're buying an item and you were taxed for it, now you're paying more for it than what the item is actually worth. So do you see the cycle that we were just sent through during COVID just to replenish the economy? Because they knew if they gave us money we would put it back into the economy. That's the whole purpose of the supply and demand. The government, like I just said, for you and I as business people, the supply and demand. So the government just did that same thing. The supply and demand, they gave you the money for, for free, so to speak. So they, didn't, they weren't charged 
to give it to you because they send it to you electronically. Remember I said you'll be more eager to give me the money if it doesn't cost you anything to give it to me, right? But wouldn't you even be more eager to give it to me for free if you knew I was going to turn around and give it right back to you? And with interest. So who just made out here? Who just got paid? We didn't. But let me continue, okay? So that's good money and bad money, all right? That's what we're on right now. So the money needs to be portable. So yes, it is, because we take out our little cards, whether it's a credit card or a debit card. And oh goodness, we're not even going to talk about a credit card right now, right? But if it's your debit card from the stimulus in your checking account, so now you swipe and you're giving the money back to the economy, okay? So you're helping to keep the economy rolling. Why was that done? Does anybody know? Because that recession is knocking at our door, okay? So the recession, let me, uh, is what they're trying to prevent. So now everyone is trying to hurry up and get us, figure out a way to get people back to work, to get the economy thriving again, so that we will not plummet into another recession but when you think about it and you say but well, wait a minute how do we catch up because now a lot of us have been giving a forbearance not not a not a uh forgive uh what is the note called not a, we haven't been given a forgiveness for our bills those that are that haven't been charging us we've been given a forbearance so when you're given a forbearance on a bill, whether it's a student loan, whether it's your, your mortgage payment, whether it's your car loan, that forbearance does not go away. It only goes to the end of your bill. So if you thought you were going to be finished paying for whatever that item was by the end of, let's say this year, 2020, what has just happened is for the economy's sake, and you think that the <coughs> excuse me that the creditor is helping you by not charging you now while you're not working by but it's now going on to the back of your bill so they're just waiting so when we go back to work and every and and people start trying to get um pay off their debt again you're not going to be finished paying off that bill by the end of this year because however many bills you missed or you did not pay because of that forgiveness that's the word i was looking for earlier for that forgiveness you better check with them to see if that was truly a forgiveness meaning that debt was wiped off or was it a forbearance meaning that debt was put to the rear and now you're also going to be paying interest on it because you've just caused your loan or your mortgage to go to be extended so I would advise you, even during this time, if you can afford to continue to pay those bills, do not skip because you're going to end up paying more interest for it in the long run. All right. So let me uh, see if I can go to the, the recession itself. Uh, let me see. Oh my goodness. What's my time looking like? Okay. I, I do have a video also. 
So I wanted to talk about the, the not talk about the video, but I wanted to show the video. But I want to go into uh, causes of recession and, and with praying that with prayer that we stay out of it because that's why I said when you go back to work you, you're gonna have to catch up on some things not just being weary or leery of your health so that's I don't even want to get on that because that'll be my opinion and you're entitled to your opinion but we do know when you go back to work if you go right now today yes people are saying oh but you can still go in the grocery store and you can still go uh, where else people going gas stations grocery stores Walmart and they're still shopping right you go on the shelves though and the shelves are almost empty do you know why they're almost empty isn't that because we got stimulus checks and people think are shopping like it's Christmas it's because the the trucks the the loading docks are empty that the the, pro, the products have not been able to get in because the different states have been shut down. Now I get it. That's why people want things to open up so that things can start moving again. But now you have other issues to deal with. Because if Georgia is open, think it, yeah, that's Georgia. Georgia is open, but North Carolina and South Carolina are not. Where do you think the North Carolina North Carolinians and the South Carolinians are gonna go? They're going to start going to Georgia because Georgia is open, right? And the same thing from, uh, for the DMV area. If uh, D.C., well, D.C. isn't open. Wh which one is open? Ah, oh, help me out, you guys. Well, let's say if Virginia is open and Prince George's is not open and D.C. is not open, where are people going to start going? But I have to ask you this. Now, this isn't my opinion this is fact because it's happening already. You go to Virginia to shop because Virginia is open. Hypothetically, I didn't say Virginia was open. Please don't quote me on that. Hypothetically, Virginia is open. But then you come back from Virginia back into Maryland, into your household in Maryland that is not open or D.C. that is not open. What did you just transport? Yes, you may have had a good time out there shopping because they're roaming freely, right? But again, everybody is still supposed to have their mask and their gloves on and continue with the social distancing. But what have you just taken a chance on as you cross that line? But I get it. Everybody wants to go back to work. I don't know if they want to go back to work so bad because they want to pay their bills or if they want to go back to work so bad because, like I just said, so the importing and the exporting can pick back up for the sake of the economy, right? Because we do need things to be delivered to get into the areas or else the shelves will remain to, um, to stay bare because they simply cannot be delivered. Or how about when we talk about the farmers, they can't get the produce in, the truckers, can't get across the lines. Hmm, what else? I think I can go on and on and on with that one, right? But let me see. Uh, I want to go back to my notes about the recession because we've got to know what to do or what not to do and how we can uh, how we can head that off so we don't fall prey to another recession. So Economic recessions are caused by a loss of businesses, 
which we already know is here, right? And consumer confidence, all right? So, like I just said, if you have confidence that you can send or, or that you can send me something for free and it will not cost you, then you will send more of it and you will send it more often, right? So that's building my confidence or to shop with you because it's not costing me more and for you to have me shop and then for you can reduce your prices because you know that I'm going to shop with you, right? Because it's not costing either of us anymore. But when the consumer loses confidence because your prices are going up, so let's say, again, yes, we can freely go shop in Virginia. Hypothetically, let me put that in front. So we can go shop in Virginia freely because their state is open, but it costs me more because their supply is down, but the need, the demand is up. But yet it's costing me more because they know that they are monopolizing right now. They know that we we're coming there because they are open. So they know that they're the only state with the product that we need. Is that going to build my confidence in shopping with them? Oh, wow. I can use a prime example. Why did I even have to use that? So yesterday I went to Walmart, right? I went to buy the infamous toilet paper. I had been telling my family, let's get more toilet paper before we run out. We didn't want to get on E. I don't know who, like I said about bartering. I'd love to meet the people that started this toilet paper uh, <laughs> rage race here. But at any rate, I went to buy toilet paper. There was no toilet paper on the shelf. So is that what does that do to supply and demand? That means that as soon as toilet paper comes in, everybody rushes to buy it, right? So the manager was stocking paper towels and they were up too high and he was trying to bring them down. But I was trying to look at the pack to tell whether it was a pallet of toilet paper that they had just gotten in or if it was a pallet of paper towels. So he told me, he said, no, they're paper towels. I'm just trying to bring them down because they're too high. I said, oh, so does that mean you have no more toilet paper? And he said, well, I have some in my office because I was going to take it home, but my wife said she found some. I'm like, found some? How, what is going on with the TP? Right? I don't know. But at any rate, he said, I'll go get it for you. And as he was going, and I'm following him with my cart, and I've got my mask on and, and my gloves on and everything, and I'm following him to his office. He said, you can wait right there. And then he turns around before he goes to get it, and he says, oh, it's expensive. And I said, well, how expensive? He said, mm, I think it's about $12. And I'm thinking, now while he's saying that, I'm trying to let it register in my head. How much have I paid for a pack of toilet paper before? I said, well, go get it. Let me see how the quantity. Because now I want to see, again, supply and demand. I want to see the buying for my buck, my return on investment, right? So I'm thinking, when I go to BJ's or Sam's, I think I'm paying like 18, 20 bucks for a big pack. I forget what the quantity is in the big package, but I know what my return on investment is there. If I'm paying $18 for like a 
is it, I don't know, is it a 20-pack roll? Wow, I don't even remember anymore. But I already know that calculation. I know by the size of it that I'm normally paying about 18 bucks. He brings out this pack. First, he thought it was Angel Soft. So he said, oh, Angel Soft. So now we're looking at the brand also. So he's we're, we're, we're taking it down a notch because of the brand. He said, Angel Soft for $12. And I'm calculating, hmm, how much do I normally pay in the, in the store for Angel Soft? I think maybe eight bucks. I don't know. I could be off. But anyway, he brings it out. He says, oh, it's Charmin. Wow. So the name brand had an effect on the cost. And then I think it was a 12-pack, and it was $12. And do you know, I said, give it here. The reason I said give it here, because I had been out three weekends in a row and could not find toilet paper. So now do you see, as I mentioned, the play on the supply and the demand and what we will pay for it is that gives the producer of the product the right to raise the price because they know it's on demand. And I don't know who created that demand on toilet paper because I never thought we would be looking for toilet paper. And then he said to me, you better guard it with your life because it's the only one in the store. And when he said that to me, that did something. I said, my goodness. He said it jokingly, you better guard it with your life. But he was serious because I thought about it. And I said, now what happens if while I'm shopping in the store, I turn my back on my cart to get something else or like I normally do, leave the cart there and I'll, instead of, you know, walking around people, I'll leave the cart there and just walk because it's easier for me to finagle the aisles and bring my items back to the cart. But when he said that, my mind immediately went to, Tiffany, you better not leave this cart here because God forbid you come back and you see somebody trying to take your toilet paper out of your cart and, and, and then you'll be on TV because you're in a tussle with somebody in the store over some toilet paper. I said, I played all that out of my mind. I said, nope, I better hold on to this cart and better still, let me put some stuff on top of the toilet paper so nobody would see it in the cart. And I had to think about that. And I said, wow, if we don't hurry up and get out of this. <laughs> but recession. So let me see if I can uh, go to my video. Wish me luck here. Let me try to go to my video. Can I share my screen on Facebook while I'm doing a video? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. All right, Facebook Live. Drum roll, please. It's only about three minutes, and I know I'm about out of time here. So let's see if it's going to work. If it doesn't, then guess what? We've talked about the economy today. We've talked about the value of the dollar. And I love TED Talks, so here we go. We've talked about so many things today. Oh, is it going to stick? Let's see. I'm hitting play. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? All right. Oh, I got if you something. Pay for something with a piece of paper, you might run into some trouble, unless, of course, the piece of paper was a hundred-dollar bill. 
But what is it that makes that bill so much more interesting and valuable than other pieces of paper? After all, there's not much you can do with it. You can't eat it. You can't build things with it. And burning it is actually illegal. So what's the big deal? Of course, you probably know the answer. A $100 bill is printed by the government and designated as official currency, while other pieces of paper are not. But that's just what makes them legal. What makes a $100 bill valuable, on the other hand, is how many or few of them are around. Throughout history, most currency, including the US dollar, was linked to valuable commodities, and the amount of it in circulation depended on a government's gold or silver reserves. But after the US abolished the system in 1971, the dollar became what is known as fiat money, meaning not linked to any external resource, but relying instead solely on government policy to decide how much currency to print. So which branch of our government sets this policy? The executive, the legislative, or the judicial? The surprising answer is none of the above. In fact, monetary policy is set by an independent Federal Reserve System, or the Fed, made up of 12 regional banks in major cities around the country. Its Board of Governors, which is appointed by the President and confirmed by the Senate, reports to Congress, and all of the Fed's profit goes into the U.S. Treasury. But to keep the Fed from being influenced by the day-to-day -day vicissitudes of politics, it is not under the direct control of any branch of government. So why doesn't the Fed just decide to print infinite $100 bills to make everyone happy and rich? Well, because then the bills wouldn't be worth anything. Think about the purpose of currency, which is to be exchanged for goods and services. If the total amount of currency in circulation increases faster than the total value of goods and services in the economy, then each individual piece will be able to buy a smaller portion of those things than before. This is called inflation. On the other hand, if the money supply remains the same while more goods and services are produced, each dollar's value would increase in a process known as deflation. So which is worse? Too much inflation means that the money in your wallet today will be worth less tomorrow, making you want to spend it right away. So while this would stimulate business, it would also encourage overconsumption or hoarding commodities like food and fuel, raising their prices, and leading to consumer shortages and even more inflation. But deflation would make people want to hold on to their money, and a decrease in consumer spending would reduce business profits, leading to more unemployment and a further decrease in spending, causing the economy to keep shrinking. So most economists believe that while too much of either is dangerous, a small, consistent amount of inflation is necessary to encourage economic growth. The Fed uses vast amount of economic data to determine how much currency should be in circulation, including previous rates of inflation, international trends, and the unemployment rate. Like in the story of Goldilocks, they need to get the numbers just right in order to stimulate growth and keep people employed without letting inflation reach disruptive levels. The Fed not only determines how much that paper in your wallet is worth, but also your chances of getting or keeping the job where you earn it. Alrighty, so as I chime out today, I just want you to remember the three issues, or was it four? The three facts that I brought up. One, the dollar was having a problem before COVID, okay? Two, COVID came and the stock market started to plummet. Uh-oh, stop, stop, stop. If you tried to pay for something with a piece of paper, you might run into some trouble. Unless All right, hitting too many buttons. 
then three after the stock market started plummeting then we received the stimulus checks right and then from the stimulus checks they knew we were going to put our money back into the economy now we're being faced with as we move forward do we open or not to open how will that impact the economy and how will it impact our lives so as I sign out today on live today health talk remember everything that I've shared with you <laughs> has been proven we've been in plagues we've had plagues before almost every 100 years we've been in recessions before but have we ever had the magnitude of the dollar the economy the dollar losing its value the recession the plague and then moving forward into the next fearful thing the next two fearful things that people uh, that not just people but it's forthcoming the vaccinations and then of course the towers so I will say as I always say do your research there isn't anything on here that I'm sharing with you that is not public information do your own research knowledge is power and remember your health should come first because I don't care how much debt you pay off and how much money you get to keep in your bank account if you do not have your health you cannot enjoy your wealth and you surely cannot do anything with it in the casket with you alright that may seem a little harsh but I just need everyone to wake up and think about their health and where you would be if all of us continue to walk around with the mask on that's it for me on live today health talk thank you again for chiming in and I will ask my engineer to sign me off thanks everyone have a great week